live streams, avatars, green screens, and virtual reality. In this series, we look at how tech is changing how we experience fashion. We look at what's happening now and what's coming next. I'm Megan McDowell, and this is The Tech Edit by Vogue Business. The Tech Edit by Vogue Business is brought to you in association with PayPal Credit, helping your customers buy now and pay over time. Go to paypal.com forward slash PayPal Credit to learn more. Hello, and welcome to the final episode of this series of The Tech Edit by Vogue Business. I'm your host, Megan McDowell. We start this series looking at how the pandemic accelerated innovation in fashion. And one of the most symbolic changes to the sector is in fashion shows. For decades, fashion shows stayed largely the same. Then YouTube began live streaming in 2011, and Instagram landed at Fashion Week by 2013. This greatly expanded the audience for fashion shows. And now tech platforms are the only way to experience shows. So today we're looking at the future of fashion shows, and we're going to hear how this traditional format is becoming digitized. My guests today are Christina Fontana, head of Tmall Fashion and Luxury for Europe in Alibaba, Priya Aliwalia from namesake brand Aliwalia, and journalist and consultant Susie Lau, who's also known as Susie Bubble. Welcome. Thank Hi, you. Megan. Happy to be here, Megan. Christina, I'd love to start with you. Early this year, Tmall signed up to be a sponsor of Shanghai Fashion Week which within three weeks, they had to convert to an entirely digital concept. So tell us about the key details that really made that unique, especially from a tech perspective. Sure. So Shanghai Fashion Week was slated to begin right at the beginning of the lockdown in China. We already were signed up as a sponsor for Shanghai Fashion Week, of course, beforehand. And we had to find a way to allow all of the partners that had invested in the event, so Shanghai Fashion Week, the designers that were supposed to be there, to find some way to bring this project forward. So what we did in Alibaba is we quickly, of course, we are a technology company. What we do is build tools to allow brands to connect with their consumers in China. And we are a B2C platform. So I think that one of the biggest differences is that Fashion shows usually aren't B2C, right? They're for the industry, they're for buyers, they're for journalists, but a lot of public doesn't get to go. So actually, it was a really exciting opportunity because we had the possibility to give brands to speak directly to their consumers in China. We did it by actually having the brands that wanted to participate for the fashion show parts, because there were different parts, um, send us their looks. And uh, we used a special studio with a green screen to go ahead and record the catwalks and then completely digitize them to bring them online. So we had that piece of the fashion show, you know, that 15 minute of the catwalk. But we did a lot of other things as well. So one of the really important pieces is about, you know, the storytelling behind a brand. What inspired my new collection? What kind of materials and, you know, innovation did I put into the product? So on top of the regular traditional catwalk show, we also had a lot of live streamings with designers or KOLs or people that could speak to the particular collection that the brand was presenting. And we also followed completely the Shanghai Fashion Show calendar. So we had DJ sets in the evening, a lot of interaction. We were able to do this because Tmall as a business-to-consumer platform, is already very much about social commerce. People already can share and interact on our platform. 
And one thing that we added that obviously we don't usually see in fashion weeks is that we made the event see now, buy now. That means that many brands actually walked things that were available in their stores, as well as showing pieces from the new collection. This was brought about by the particular situation. At that moment in time, all brands had their products locked in stores that they couldn't sell. So it was really important for brands also to you know, keep selling the, the existing product. So they were able to work that into the, the catwalks or the live streams that they did just after the catwalks. And it helped them keep their product moving, which, you know, in the four months that we've just been through, five months, is incredibly important to help brands overcome this particular period. Yeah. And I think from seeing like the video clips that I saw, what really stood out to me was the like the level of participation and interactivity. There was comments. You could click out to buy. So it was sort of like QVC meets like Instagram meets a fashion show meets like it was totally different format than when you think of like the traditional fashion show. This is something that we've been doing for a few years now. We have something usually in October, November that's called Tmall Collection. And it's something that we developed for Tmall. And it is these live stream fashion shows with the see now, buy now interaction, plus all of that commenting that you've seen, which is a really super important part of the way people shop online in China. One of the reasons why platforms are so important is because other consumers want to see what their peers or their, you know, influencers are saying about the brand and they can get that on Tmall. And I think that's an, an an important point when you said that it's largely for consumers because I understand that's a bit of a shift. Priya, I'd love to take it to you. You launched your brand, Aluwalia, in 2018, and this year you are a finalist for the LVMH Prize. But again, this year's London Fashion Week was all digital. And so part of your work that you created was a virtual reality experience. So tell us about that. How did you create that? Yeah, so basically I launched a book called Jalebi, which is an exploration into Southall, which is a brilliant area of London that's probably like the biggest community of Punjabi people in the UK. My mum's Indian and my dad's Nigerian. So I'm always looking at different heritages and areas of heritage. So basically, I was meant to launch the book at a physical event with Matches Fashion before the coronavirus and COVID came into effect. So I didn't want to delay the project. And basically, Digital Fashion Week became a thing in the UK. So I was thinking about how I could utilise that in a way that's meaningful. And what I really liked is the idea, like as we said earlier, about this instead of it being A to B, you know, to C, to to everyone and wider public. So I wanted to create an exhibition space that essentially I would never be able to use, but never be able to do um, in real life. I don't have the budget to build such a room um, in in the middle of a beautiful park. So I worked with a company called Chameleon Visual, who have done loads of different things, both physical fashion events, but also now digitally. And we worked with a great team that could like render the space. So We wanted to think about how we could play video and show images in a space where people can move themselves around. And we thought about loads of different details, even down to the green space that you can see within the digital show and digital exhibition space is actually like 360 imagery of Southall Park. So we really thought about how to bring in things from the outside of the project back in. Um, For example, the type of rugs and chairs that were in the space, we really I really thought about how that linked to the body of work and, and was able to push boundaries in that way. As I understand it, when you're in the experience, 
the viewer can choose where they want to turn, where they want to go forward. They can click on different elements and get more information. Is that how it worked? Yeah. So we've got these little markers on the floor where if someone comes into the space, they can click on the markers and stand in front of different photos and also twist themselves around. But they can also click on information tabs and get like credit information and more knowledge about that particular image and then we've also got a video it's a sort of this like virtual video room thing where the viewer can go in it and also watch for like moving videos around them on each each wall and i love what you said about how you couldn't have normally built or had a gallery space designed to your specifications in this way because i think when people think of vr they think it's inaccessible right like so it's it's interesting that you used it to access something you couldn't access. I wanted to build on that. What were your thoughts on making VR specifically? Because not everyone necessarily has a VR headset sitting at home. So how did you make that decision to use that specific technology? I mean, I don't have a VR headset. I've never looked at the space through a VR headset. So that essentially when we designed it, we looked at it as being able to be like clearly viewed and like enjoyed on a laptop. So it was just like that. Was So, I mean, we designed it with that in mind because I, I wanted it to be able to be seen by everyone. So, I mean, of course, it would look great with a VR headset on. It would look even better. But, I, you know, as I was designing it with the team, I wasn't looking at it through a VR headset because I don't have one either. Maybe I will have one if things keep going as they're going. <laughs> right. But we didn't have that in mind. We just I, I just really liked the idea because now we've designed the space and it's ready to see on my website at any point and by anyone in the world. And I think that, that even though, you know, not everyone's got a laptop. A lot more people in the world have got a laptop and click on the can click on the internet, then can come to my event. You know, with a guest list of seventy people. So I think it's been really nice in democratizing the project. And also, I think it's reached a much bigger audience. I've had loads of orders from, for example, Australia and stuff. Whereas I don't know whether I would have got that breadth of custom if if it was a, a really specific and tight guest list at an event. And that's, I think, something we saw with London. Fashion Week as well. Susie, I'd love to talk to you. You've been attending and covering International Fashion Weeks for more than a decade. So did you like, quote unquote, attend Shanghai and London this year? And if so, what what stood out to you about it? So since the beginning of lockdown, obviously, I like most people <laughs> were at home and eager to kind of follow all the digital happenings with fashion weeks and I was due to go to Shanghai uh, well first Hong Kong for our Basel and then Shanghai for fashion week for the physical one so with Shanghai fashion week I was super intrigued by how it was integrated within Tmall's own platform and how the commerce element was brought into it and how it did become this direct to consumer facing like you said QVC style way of almost um Presenting fashion in a way that maybe is a bit of an antithesis to how a lot of designers like to see, well, particularly maybe designers in, in Europe and in, in, in the West like to see their vision because they're much more about something that's much more kind of artistic and maybe a bit like almost super highbrow. And that selling aspect maybe is a bit alien to mm. within the fashion show context but I thought it was super effective in terms of engagement I saw like the numbers were really impressive you could see everything was like very transparent you could see like people making sales like things were just going and and the hosts were and because I, I understand Mandarin so 
you could see the host was super engaging in, in kind of getting people really excited and educating customers about these designers. And these we're talking about young designers here. We're not talking about big brands. You know, we're, we're talking about real kind of up and coming Chinese young designers. And then I also looked at another Shanghai uh, platform, which was X Commons, and they had a virtual reality kind of set up with three designers taking into their spaces. And that was kind of similar to what Priya did in terms of creating like a room space where you would jump into videos and a sort of digital kind of uh, setup. And then obviously we came to London and London, I think because of the timing and also the I th- the, the the well the limited resources I think and the designers have here which again we're talking about young designers and because of what was happening with um, Black Lives Matter it wasn't really a time to talk about kind of new collections or say hey here's this here's this shirt buy this buy this and so it was really more about communicating spirit and values and what designers want to see post lockdown so it was a really kind of interesting i think mediation on more of a time to reflect rather than about presenting new collections. And so now we come to what should have been Milan and and Paris Men's Fashion Week. And in fact, um, Couture in Paris will be starting next week. Um, There will be digital happenings from Dior and Chanel next week. And so we're really assessing what the big brands are going to be doing because I think the feeling is that there's maybe more of a reluctance to jump into, let's say, more of a experimental digital space. You know, I, I just could never imagine, for instance, like a big house, like a Chanel or Dior, you know, integrating with uh, like a Timor, for instance, like I, 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 or, or, or that kind of presentation style. And likewise, like the virtual reality thing, I think only... Prada uh, at the moment have have launched a VR space where they are using headsets. So it is a headset based format and uh, allowing customers with headsets to kind of dive into their universe. But for the most part, I think there is a, a real kind of almost a reluctance to take things to a new digital space and I think we will be seeing it play out on Instagram and through the more traditional platforms. The platforms that we have run alongside physical fashion weeks anyway it's just good it's going to be more amplified during this digital only fashion month and of course we've now seen the uh, announcements that september shows will be going ahead in milan and paris uh, physically so Mm -hmm. well christina i'd love to ask you about that because i mean it kind of begs the question what is the point of fashion show you you said shanghai was more consumer facing paris is traditionally very much an industry event how is that shifting i think it's very interesting to see what's actually happening so what we do is we build technology and um susie was right about shanghai fashion week and kind of the look and feel But I think a lot of that also comes from the kind of designers that are presenting in Shanghai Fashion Week. None of the major maisons or the big houses are presenting at Shanghai Fashion Week. 
That said, we have had all of our major brands in the Luxury Pavilion already streaming their live fashion shows on Tmall Luxury Pavilion. So they're already doing that. Last year when Valentino launched their uh, brand new store in Japan, you know, they do a annual event. They did Japan and last year actually did China, Beijing, and they streamed everything online. So I think that what we'll be seeing are two things. First of all, the technology, any of the things that we want to do, the technology needs to be accessible to all. So when we talk about the VR headsets, usually when we do those kind of 3D experiments or things that allow people to come into stores, we've done a lot of digitizing the store so people can have that experience of walking into a store or an exposition. And it's very important that the people that are going to see it can use it without having to have extra technology. And most of the people in our world, so in Asia, in China, they're looking at this from their mobile phone. And my guess is that today in Europe, especially when we're talking to the younger consumers, the ones that are going to be the first to adapt these kind of technologies, they're looking at it from their mobile phone. They're not sitting in front of their you know, PC looking at this. They're consuming the content from the brand on their mobile. And I think really what's important when we want to talk about the technologies What's beautiful about fashion is every fashion house in a certain sense has access to the same materials, the same, you know, original products to make their story. The technology that's being developed is all about giving, again, the brands the tools and the technology that they need to tell their story. Because in the end, even when we do talk about fashion shows, we say, yes, it's for a professional, you know, it's for the industry. But the fashion show really is about a brand, you know, expressing their DNA, their vision for the future, what's happening right now, and having a conversation with their fans, followers, and, you know, people on Instagram, people on the different platforms that they might be using. So I think that we'll see a continued acceleration in the use of these technologies. And the technology is only as good as you know, the creative director of the brand, the digital manager of the brand of what he wants to build with that technology. And brands need to learn how to use this because even after COVID, when we're all traveling and we can all go back into stores, people still, their first contact with the brand and with the new collection is digital. So even if we look at what's happened from Shanghai Fashion Week, which like we said in the beginning, we did that in three weeks. It was very quick and it was specific to that market and that moment. And we've been seeing an evolution. You know, it's really exciting, I think, to see what happened in London. And now we'll see also the brands. You know, Xenia's doing a digital, they call it show for um, Milan Fashion, Men's Fashion Week is going to be digitized as well in July. And for example, Xenia is doing a physical show for that. And I think that they'll see a lot of this kind of integration. And it's really just an acceleration of brands learning how to use that content. And also what we said before, it's a way that we allow brands and designers to reach an audience that they would have never reached before. Susie, it would be interesting to hear from you about this idea of amplification and a sense of creating a sense of urgency that Instagram has typically done for fashion shows. Now that everything lives online and you can access it anywhere, how do we get past that 
so in terms of London, because there wasn't that physical aspect and because everything was so freely accessible, I think it was hard to gauge like certain moments where you would see like shows kind of popping up on your feed, like all simultaneously. And it wasn't like people were like posting all at once. And the other thing I think is critical is that, you know, in a in a fashion show context that's dictated just by the brand, you really just have like one voice storytelling and, and dictating that narrative. And you don't have multiple content creators, media outlets, you know, influencers, media, whoever, that that makes up that normal physical audience giving their different takes and perspectives on the show and I think that is something that needs to be overcome like if we you know in the coming well coming weeks literally how do brands get enough value out of like all of their different media cohorts and, and, and because as much as we say that brands have become almost like the you know, the sole storytellers, you know, brands themselves, they have huge Instagram followings, you know, they have the numbers, but they also only have that one kind of voice. And it is normally a branded, almost quite corporate, rigid sort of a voice that they have to adhere to. And it is very different from, you know, like a magazine or an editor or a stylist or or a backstage photographer or, you know, all of these people that go into um, the physical show giving their perspective and I think that is something that needs to be looked at and hence why I think the brands are pushing ahead with September regardless of what are the travel restrictions or the quarantine rules are going to be like and we don't even know if there's going to be a second wave or you know all of all of this stuff that they're pushing ahead with it I think is because they do see that digitization of a fashion show as like a, a substitute rather than an equivalent. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, and I think that to your point, Christina, it was all very, very new. Like it was just the first time. So I imagine it would get better. But Priya, being a designer and you're having to think about these questions and thinking about how to amplify your brand, what did you learn from your first digital presentation? And then maybe an interesting way to think about it is if you had like a magic wand and like time and resources weren't really a constraint, what would you envision for your like your dream approach to a digital fashion experience? Generally, when I work, I'm much more, I've realized I'm a real analog person. So I love doing stuff with like my hands. If I'm doing a mood board, I'd always do it physically rather than digitally. So I, it was definitely a learning curve for me in ways to think about this, you know, thinking about does this room work on a phone and on a desktop and an iPad and all these different devices and thinking about how would it be clear for someone to like walk around the space. There was loads of different things that were like, they're not intuitive because it's not, because it's not real, right? So I learned loads of stuff about that. But I really enjoyed doing this digital showcase and I'm really glad that loads of people can see it. But at the same time, there is some think really lovely about the atmosphere at a physical show you know I wouldn't want the theatre to all go completely digital forever so I think that there has to be a balance between you know because sometimes you want to tell a story and to do a story you have to have sound music lights and that might be something you know as a small designer it's going to be hard much harder to do than say a huge house like Prada or something for example right so like I guess if we continue to work in digital sort of spaces um if I could have a magic wand I would say that you know probably I would still want to be able to have 
some sort of event, but have it filmed in such a way that then it becomes, you know, that the viewers can join us almost. Like maybe it's like, it almost it happens in real life. So you've got some people there that have this energy and atmosphere, but also a way to make it immersive and enjoyable from a from a screen as well. I think the dream the dream scenario for young designers in particular, and particularly in London, is you know a lot of the things aren't live streamed at London Fashion Week precisely because you know we don't have the the resources to do that uh, effectively. So the dream scenario would be that like all presentations and events are like kind of are teamed up with a platform or a live stream partner that can you know enable them to open up their normally closed off 100 people guest list presentations and shows to the world so that that would be the dream scenario and it's something that you know we try and work out and we were discussing this uh, you know I'm on the press committee for the British Fashion Council you know we try of work around it but it, it just it's more difficult than than we think so what i'm hearing is like two key wishless elements are some sort of physical element of some kind or something that recreates the physical energy and then sort of like a an agreed upon destination like an agreed upon platform because i think now there's so many different tech platforms. It's almost like brands have to create separate content for each platform. So, I mean, would you agree that those are sort of like the key challenges that are on the horizon if we're going to keep, I mean, and it looks like we are going to keep having to isolate for quite a while. So I think the key platform going forward will still probably be Instagram, but only because they have a dominance over, you know, long, they now have long form video, they have short form, they're adding reels, which is like their TikTok, you know, they're they're just kind of going all guns a blazing, you know, in terms of video content creation. The trick is, and this is maybe more applicable to to young designers rather than big houses, is that, you know, where who does all the filming the logistics the and maybe um christina can talk about how all those young designers that were showing at shanghai fashion week like they they had yeah they had kind of like catwalk shows but then they had this studio the space where like people were doing you know all that kind of qvc type sort of selling so i think you know uh, i'm guessing timor must have facilitated that um it, yeah, it'd be amazing if, if there was that equivalent in like a New York or a London. I think obviously that the first thing brands should think about is who is your target audience? China is the number one market for fashion in the world. It is not very Instagram friendly. So I think that brands should really pay attention to the targets and you know the consumers that they're looking to be in touch with. And I personally don't think that Instagram is going to be enough if you want to go worldwide. As far as the technology, yeah, we were able to facilitate a lot of those activities in China because in China we have resources that unfortunately we don't have also in London, Milan, Paris, New York. Although we have sponsored those fashion weeks in the past, one of the things that we have done is we have something called Tmall China Cool where we have brought Chinese designers to participate in the fashion weeks in New York, Paris, and Milan last year. And we had designers that came, and then we obviously were streaming that live, but it was about the sharing of inspirations and ideas between Chinese designers and Europe. 
and the United States. And it's something that we will do again this year. Obviously, for us, it's still a little bit difficult because we're still working on our plans because the designers themselves may not be able to travel this year, which, um, you know, we spoke a lot about that live experience. I think the live experience is 100% fundamental. And I think that we need to get back to that space as quickly as possible because of the energy and the experience and and just everything that happens in Fashion Week, right? There's so much going on and we need to get back there and we should still keep it, make it, you know, as, as we said before, make it something that other people can share into, not only those that are present, but having that physical presence is really, really important. And right now today, it looks like obviously the designers, the Chinese designers won't be able to be physically present in Europe in September. So we're still trying to figure out a way that we can fix that for them digitally. Well, and it's interesting you said we have to return to live ASAP because it, it seems to me Shanghai Fashion Week, you could not just stream the shows at any moment in time. It was sort of like the live show was the show. So it's it's interesting how we're going to like change our definitions of what live means in the new reality. Yeah, I guess I mean like have a real audience, have people there. Like Susie was saying before, you also need the influencers and people taking pictures and backstage and that whole atmosphere, you know, digital is fantastic, but you miss out on some of that atmosphere. So each of you, I'd love to hear just your crystal ball prediction, even if it's literally just looking at Paris or, you know, New York Fashion Week in September. What will you be looking for? I know it's hard to predict, but what will you be most curious to see or what kind of insights will you be looking for? Christina, maybe look to you first. I think that for us, certainly in the next, you know, September is only three months away. Yeah. Um, so I think that we still will be in a period that is very much in flux and very much influenced by digital. But I think that I see if we go a little bit farther afield is that digital will certainly be a very important part of the fashion weeks and it will be combined with you know, a physical presence of people and fans and followers in the audience and really a creation of that atmosphere. Um, that's what I would love to see. And I think that that's where, you know, brands are going to go. We've also seen some of the bigger brands saying that they're not going to be present at the fashion weeks anymore, that they're going to go out and do things on their own, which I think sometimes is too bad because it makes it harder for young designers Fashion weeks in particular are very important also for those younger designers to get the exposure. Of course, if I'm Gucci, I can do my own event and people will come and watch it and it will be, you know, have a huge following digital. But their participation in the past in fashion weeks helps also bring attention to younger designers. You know, it animates the entire week. And I think that it would really be a pity to lose that moment of fashion, which isn't only about the big fashion houses, but it's about our industry as a whole. Priya, what about you? What are you most excited to see or most curious to see sort of solved? I'm, oh, I, I kind of really agree with the last point because I, I think that it depends on what side of the industry you're thinking about. But I'm really excited or maybe excited is too strong of a word because at the moment, I don't think there is a lot to be excited about. But I am really looking forward to seeing what what people do create creatively after this period. I, I've personally found this period quite stressful um, between COVID and between like the rise in Black Lives Matter protests and all of this information that we're receiving. I think it's going to be a really weird time. That, I think some designers probably don't actually feel like they want to create clothes. So I think what's going to happen is it's going to be like 
a really interesting time, not necessarily in how even people display it, but in the ideas and the... I think it'll be quite emotional and maybe a little bit revolutionary. I've, I've had loads of conversations with different designers about how the last sort of four months, this has given them pause for thought to think about how their businesses are set up and how they can and adapt them to also be more maybe considerate of the planet and also to, to use our voices and our platform. So I'm really excited about that, um, to see that new change, because I think that it's going to be a lot more than maybe aesthetics in the next season. I think it's, there's going to be a lot more messaging around causes and, and things that people find really important. And I know that's weird to say through clothes, but at the end of the day, everyone on the planet wears clothes. So if there's a tool, an artistic tool to use to get messages out, I think it's a good one. Not necessarily everyone is interested in looking at a sculpture or something like that. So I think that's going to be, for me, the exciting thing to, to see. Mm-hmm. And Susie, what about you? What are your predictions or your, your wishes for the future? Um, well, for me, I think from the you know perspective of like big houses, they have the muscle power and the budget to actually explore new territory. You know, like I am interested in like, how do they push you know, their digital content beyond just videos or the sort of the live stream. These are things that, these are nothing new. Like these are things that we have been part of our fashion weeks for, for years now. So I think it's about seeing like how brands kind of really use their creative muscle power and collaboration, cross collaboration with other tech platforms, creatives, digitally minded artists, or different kind of alternative content creators that can um, really bring their brand stories to life. And then for young designers, I think it's really just about trying to get through this period, like on a financial level, it's it's going to be difficult. So they have to use their creative ingenuity in a different way. And September in London will be also be digital. So you know, it's not going to be about physical shows. So uh, I'm really looking, because London Fashion Week, obviously I'm from London and uh, a lot of the designers are my friends. So I'm really kind of rooting for them to do something that it, you know, convey something. Yeah, I think like the menswear that we just saw, maybe more than just clothes, because like uh, Priya said, it, maybe it isn't right now still, it's not really the time to talk about like, by this, by that, and you know, because it's, um, it, I think it's about conveying like values and how you want to be going forward. Well, I think that's a great note to end on. That's all the time we have for today, unfortunately. But before we go, we always ask one final question, which is what is the one technology you just do not understand? So, Christina, you go first. Um. Okay. I had to think about this because I work for a technology <laughs> company. So obviously I get most of the technology. The one that kind of that was leaving me really perplexed is blockchain. Not the technology in itself, but they seem to want to use blockchain for every single thing on the planet. And it's like the application and the real value of blockchain leaves me a little bit doubtful. Right. <laughs> Priya, what about you? To be honest, I don't get people having an Alexa. I just think it's weird and and you don't have to ask Alexa what the weather is there's other ways to do it I don't know I just think that that's like I don't get that at all and I also think it's weird to have something listening to you in your house there's enough technology listening so yeah for me Alexa would go um I got one for Christmas and it's it's literally under my bed and it's off (laughs) (laughs) what about you Susie 
Uh, anything of that. Yeah, kind of like Alexa, like robot type things, like that sort of almost like retro tech type of gadgets, things that, that I, I think are completely superfluous and doesn't feel like very streamlined <laughs> for modern life. <laughs> well, that's a perfect way to round off this episode. Thank you all so much for joining me. Thank you. Thanks. And thank you to you, our listeners, for tuning in to each show on our first season of The Tech Edit. You can, of course, find all our shows from this series on iTunes, Spotify, or via the Vogue Business website. And as ever, for more coverage on the future of fashion and technology, subscribe to my weekly technology edit newsletter at VogueBusiness.com. Our executive producer was Alad John. My name is Megan McDowell, and that was the Tech Edit. Thanks for listening. The Tech Edit by Vogue Business is brought to you in association with PayPal Credit, helping your customers buy now and pay over time. Go to paypal.com forward slash paypal credit to learn more.